Hi, and welcome to the Kelowna Girl Tries Podcast. I'm Barb, and this is episode 109, Sunday, December 4th, 2011. Hope you enjoy it. sitting around here at the dinner table waiting for our dinner to cook on Saturday night. Yeah. What is it, 6.30? Yeah, after we've been for a workout. Yeah, that's yeah, right, good. too. What's the date? It's December 3rd. 3rd. Oh my gosh. I've been naughty. I haven't done a show for three weeks at least. And oh, the... Santa won't like that. <laughs> <laughs> Santa better. I want Santa to bring me a wetsuit. Oh. Or money for a wetsuit. Yeah. I was looking at wetsuits today, actually. Did you find one? Well, Stuart from the Quadrathon podcast um, gave me a link to a website, a cyclist website, that has some really, really good prices, like less than half price hmm. for, um, I think it's one of the top Zoot wes- webs- websites, wetsuits, and mm-hmm. it's a Zenith... 2.0 and it's normally 750 bucks for a half price but you know that's american so and How then much it costs for half price yeah 750 yeah so for it's half well price? it's it's 750 dollars but it's on for half price oh okay i thought you were telling me it was a 1500 yeah it's a 1500 dollar wetsuit and i'm guaranteed wetsuit. to swim twice as twice fast. as fast all right well if i mean it's worth it if it makes you swim twice as fast that's right yeah. Oh, I, I want one too. You want one of those $350 no, ones? No, I want one that'll help me float. You want one with like little, um, you should get some of those little, little water, wings, water wings around yeah. your ankles. Have they got them? I mean, do wetsuits come with extra flotation like that yes. the officials can't see? Um, some of them do have panels and things in them that uh, give you some extra flotation. There are limits though. They can't yeah. have pockets with air pockets in them. I want to be like a hovercraft. Yeah. When I go across the water. It's so funny because Stuart and I were talking about this on his last show mm-hmm. that I'm currently co-hosting. And he has a similar problem to you with swimming in that he's got, uh, you know, way, way too low a body fat muscles. But the difference so is he could float. probably swim though. Um, I don't know. I mean, um, I, he's learned, yeah. he's not, you know, I would guess, I'm trying to remember now what he said, but I think you're pretty similar right oh, now. okay. He's planning to do Ironman next year, so... Uh, wow. He's, but he's a very good runner and cyclist. Yep. He's run marathons and ultra-marathons. And, what's that mm-hmm. screaming? I don't know. I just hear screaming outside. I'll just take a quick peek. But it is getting close to Christmas. People tend to scream. Yeah, it's sounding more like Halloween, actually. Yeah. Anyways, where the heck was I? We were talking about wetsuits and we were talking yeah. about Stuart and no, stuff it's not like even that. Like, that's 
that's not even my top goal of topic tonight. I don't even know what to say. Uh, um, we're talking about Vancouver. We're going to talk about our race. Yeah, we're going to talk about our race. But you know what? Else? I was going to do a quick update on my training. Okay. The last show I did, I was talking about how great all my speed work and my hill work and everything was doing. And uh, I was knocking on wood, and I'm sure I knocked on wood that everything was going to go well. And then the very next day, I went out for my long run that mm -hmm. Sunday, which was about three weeks ago. And it was terrible. I felt terrible. Like for a Sunday morning run, which I'm always feeling awesome, I just felt like lead legs and everything was hurting. And I ended up running only about three or four K. And I think and I didn't even run that far. I think I just stopped and turned around and walked back. And so I took a few days and I thought I'd do my long run on the Tuesday. And by then, snow was falling and there was ice around, so it was starting to get to be tricky. So I ended up kind of having a real step back week that week. I had a, about three 5K runs and all of them felt achy and painful and, you know, not injured. It just mm -hmm. felt terrible. And then I did a few runs the following week on the treadmill and started feeling like I was getting it back. And that takes us up to last Sunday. So I had kind of a waste, what I consider to be a wasted two weeks of, you know, kind of on the verge of, I don't know what, but anyways, whatever. Uh, so last Friday night, we drove over the Coquihalla Highway through snow and ice, which we were really lucky about the weather. We were. And we drove to Vancouver and stayed with my daughter who moved there this summer. Spent the day Saturday. Shopping. Oh, shopping. Did we shop? What did we do? I think that's why I was so tired for the race next why were we shop? What were we shopping? We were doing all sorts of shopping. Oh, and, and we... Where did we shop? Oh, we went to a couple of bus... We went to a couple Best Buy and stuff. We went yeah. and looked at two stores first, but I mean, it's not like... Oh, we and we there. had to buy some other stuff, like uh, from Rona, remember? For oh, yeah. The cupboard door. But it wasn't, like, it wasn't like going to the mall shopping where you're on your feet the whole time. No. Just, it was like three stops at three different places. And then we spent an hour in the car driving the BMO marathon course, which turned out to be, in my estimation, nothing but frickin' hills. Really? Didn't you feel like for the whole first 25, 30K of that route that we drove, it was basically up and then down, and then up and then down? But little little ups and little downs, they weren't like major. Well, no, I'm not saying it's to six, you know, 10% or anything, but... It's just, you're always going up, you're always going down. I, I, to me, that's worrisome. Because I can only train on flat. Hmm. And all of those ups, I don't know. I have some serious concerns about that race. I mean, I want to do it and everything, but my God, it's going to be a six-hour marathon if I have to do all those hills, because I'm going to end up, you know, especially that Camison one is, that oh, one's yeah. 6%. Well, that's, one. that's about a... One kilometer at about six, seven percent grade, and then it levels off for another three or four k at about a two or three percent grade. So it doesn't look like it's really steep, but you know, you, those ones in some ways, Eric, they worry out. They can just mentally be wearing because it doesn't yeah. even look like you're on a hill, and you don't understand why the hell you drive riding. Riding, I'm used to riding, but running so slow, right? Oh no, I'm I'm worried. Anyways. So we had our Saturday and went out for dinner Saturday night. Got up Sunday morning. 
we had checked out the route and everything. We knew where we were going. So we got there kind of about half an hour earlier than we really needed to be there. And it was wet. It was raining. It was raining. We were actually lucky because the day, two days before had been heavy rainfall warnings. And had been. Nothing but heavy rain, basically, on and off all for about 48 hours. Mm -hmm. And so we were lucky that it was only just the tail end of that rain. And it was you know, relatively light for Vancouver. Uh, it would be heavy rain for Kelowna, but, uh, you know, just a steady rain, which we knew we were going to get wet. Well, and, and on the whole run, you know, you're going through puddles or avoiding yeah, puddles. Yeah, a lot of puddles, yeah. and you kind of have to decide whether you're just going to give up on trying to avoid them. You can almost hurt yourself trying to jump around them, too. Mm -hmm. So anyways, we parked in the parking lot, and we, and it was about a half K walk to get to the to the race start which we could sort of see and everyone was making their way but we didn't know what the race start was like so we ended up we didn't know if we'd have to go there and then stand outside for an hour you know and wait till the race started so we thought we better not go there yet in case we have to be outside so we but sat in the car. luckily it was at a naval facility right yeah and so we got to go into the gymnasium yeah the thing. turned out they had a big gym but yeah. in the meantime we stayed at the in the parking lot for about 25 minutes or so. Yeah. Just sitting there relaxing and waiting. And then we walked over about maybe half an hour before the... Must mm -hmm. have been around 8.30 that we started walking. I can't remember. Walked over, went inside, hung out inside. I was feeling good. I was feeling energetic. I was ready. Yeah. I'd had a lot of rest because I hadn't yeah. been running a lot. And I hadn't had my long run the week before. So I was feeling optimistic and... I had no plans for my race because my goal had been, it's not a goal race for me, it's your race, so I'm just going to go and have fun, and if I feel like pushing it, I will, and if I don't, I'm not going to worry about it, I don't really care. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm so happy with myself that I really felt that that was going to be totally fine with me. I, I'm, I'm enjoying the fact that I'm able to start doing races for fun and not feel that competitive need to always race. And so I have, I have that, both those options in me, and I like that because I don't like the pressure of always feeling like I go get a PR every single time, unless you feel like it. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel bad about myself afterwards if it turns out it's not a fast race. I think if you race a lot, that's probably important because you're never going to have a good race every time. No. And so why don't you talk a little bit about your expectations for the race, your goals for the race, because it was more your race than well, mine. Well, my expectations were, well, my best race is like a, 52-30-something. 52-30? Something. Yeah, something like that. A little more yep. than that. But anyways, and I, so I was hoping for to better that. Right. And so so my, my thought was I was going to go out at about, oh, 5.20 or something for the first K and then take it down by five seconds for the first for the next two k's or something like that so bring it down gradually mm -hmm. and, and have a pretty fast first five right and uh for the first four k that went pretty well actually it, it went according to plan and then my uh garmin kind of went on the blitz it went oh, on did the it? fritz a little yeah i hadn't told you about that no, but, I don't even but it went to heart rate mm -hmm. and i couldn't get it off heart rate Oh, that's annoying. You know, and that was really annoying, and I sort of felt, and that's kind of when everything sort of started falling to bits. 
you know, it's kind of like I lost mm -hmm. my focus and, mm -hmm. and and everything like that. And it's kind of like you lose your rhythm. It's kind of like I say when I when I have to stop for a drink or something. You break your rhythm, and it's just I yep. don't know something goes wrong. And I think that was the turning point. Eventually, after about another K, the the watch got back to where it should and, and gave me my pace and everything like that. But mm -hmm. but it seemed like. My race, my race was over at that you, point in time. Were you trying to play with it all that time? Well, yeah, I was trying yeah. to make it work because I need my pace. Because that throws you off. It throws me off. Yeah. So the, I was thrown off for about five, six minutes there. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what kind of, one of the things anyways, that made things kind of crumble. So, and so how, ultimately. What K were you at around then? Like, uh, so between four or? and five, I think about okay. four, about four K. Mm -hmm. and coming up to the bridge. Yep. You know, and, and then, I don't know, then it was just tedious after that. And uh, and then I ended up running 530s and 535s and, you know, and then your races, then you just realize you're not going to get anywhere. Certainly not going to be a PR, PR race after that. So were you starting to just not care and slow down then? Well, I was tired. And I was also on a pace where there's no way I was going to get a PR. But I was still working hard. I mean, I really tried. You're still doing your best, anyways. Yeah, yeah. but I, I had lost sort of the. Mm -hmm. uh, the I come to the realization there wouldn't, wouldn't be a PR. It just wasn't meant to be. And so, what was your final time? What was it? 5440? 54 something like that. 5440. That's a famous number. Is it? Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, something like that in that area. So it was disappointing. I, but I ran two, two minutes plus slower than I wanted to run. Right. So 54.40 is still a good, decent time for you. Oh, it's but a it's decent time because, yeah. you know, in my age group in that race, I got second out of sixth. Yeah. Six, you know. So, mm -hmm. so I mean, it's not terrible, terrible. No, but it's not your goal. But it's not. Uh, I was disappointed because I had hoped to finish off strong. But at least it was an improvement over the last. And what's your race. best time in a 10K? What, uh, 52.30. Somewhere in that area. Oh yeah, you told me that. Right. Yeah, so you've that already was, done 52. And that was last so spring, so I'm kind of disappointed yeah. that I wasn't able to beat that one. And so, and your preparation and your rest and your tapering, everything seemed to be reasonable, right? Yeah. So is there nothing really that you can put your finger on? Well, there is. Other than the you Garmin know, dying. I can think of, uh, well... Why were you tired? Three. Let's say th three things, okay? Mm -hmm. Well, like you said, the Garmin. The Garmin yeah. threw me off. Yeah. It just sort of disrupted the rhythm. Mm-hmm. Secondly, I'd never run the course before. Yeah. And it's a new course. You didn't even know where you would be, right? And I don't know, but you know, I thought sea level, because mm -hmm. we're running right next to the ocean, mm -hmm. uh, it'd probably be easier. I thought you'd have, uh, I really thought more oxygen. Yeah, because we live at about we live at 15, 14, 14, We run 15. at 14, 1500 feet yeah. all the time. Uh, my third was, I went out too fast. I think I went out too fast and tired out too fast. What was your I first shouldn't case? have done that. Because yeah. uh, I've been training, you know, sort of at doing uh, 535s or something. Mm -hmm. as my first K, mm -hmm. just kind of to get in the rhythm of things. Yep. And, and then bringing it down to 520, 515, 510. You yep. know, that type of thing and working Building, my way right. And what I did on my first K here was, because I was feeling good, and I'd read about splits and 
how you should run it, and they said, run them constant. Even splits. Even splits. Mm -hmm. So I figured, well, I'm going to go out and do 52, or sorry, 520, uh, 515, my first K. Mm -hmm. So I did. And it was all right. Yeah. But that hadn't after 3, 4K, yeah. uh, I don't know. The I think fatigue that, started to hit. I think my body told me that was a mistake. Yeah. So I don't know. So that was the third. So there are reasons. Mm -hmm. I just don't know which is the right one. So did your did you think the weather had any part played any part of it? Did you feel that the the rain hampered you? It, it rained for half of it and then it stopped. You know, I think if it was a sunshiny bright day, mm -hmm. yeah, I'd be faster. Really? I do. I do think so. Yeah, it's sort of like mentally there's a cloud that's missing. It's just bright and sunny and happy. Yeah. Whereas rain, drizzly rain, I don't know. I I thought it might work, but I lost my focus when the Garmin went. And yeah. So there. Interesting. Yeah, it is so interesting. So what did you learn from and this my, race? And my thigh muscles, my uh, quads, were just aching at the end. Yeah. And, and I they were sore it. for I days after. They've never ached that much after a 10 before. Yeah. So I don't know. So Anybody knows why has a hypothesis. I'd sure like to know it. The only hypothesis I have, we've heard before. What was it? Well, it's just that you kind of attack every training run as a race. And yeah. you never really have any building endurance runs. But in. my training runs were faster than this run. And that's my you know, point. But my quads aren't sore. I know, but if you have too many hard runs, always a hard run, always a hard run, it's sort of like eventually, you know, it catches up and it hurts. But I left it, I relaxed four days, three days, four days beforehand. Well, I know, I, I understand you did do that, and, and I'm not suggesting that that is definitely the reason. I'm just saying that's something to consider, because you might run three times a week, and every time you run, you kind of try to PR a little bit, or yeah. depending on how you're feeling, right? You and you don't really ever do a non race pace run and I'm pretty yeah, I'm sure everybody in the planet would agree with me that you shouldn't do every run at race pace. Yeah, but I'm getting pretty old. I can't waste time. <laughs> I can't waste time on slow runs. Well, but there's something to consider, that's all. The neat thing is and though I think agree. with every run, what what's really cool is you learn something with every run. Yeah, so that's what I was saying. What did you learn? What would you do? Well those in are the three I, those are the things I have to think about, mm. you know? So I've got to to maybe try training a little bit different and seeing mm -hmm. what splits, how to arrange my splits to give me my maximum time, mm -hmm. you know, my best time. You know, you just got to learn, I think, what for you works best. And it depends upon your age, mm -hmm. depends on your conditioning, depends on your mindset. It depends on so many things that, that I don't think everybody works the same way. Did you find that... Um the people around you, uh, you positioned yourself quite a bit further ahead than I did because I went way back because I knew I was doing a slow yeah. or slower run. Um, so I went about two-thirds of the way back. Did you find you were motivated or, or tempted to try and keep up with certain people or past people because of the people you were with? Did that have any effect well, on I you? Think you? I think I did. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do that, but... It's not that I was then going at a faster pace than I planned to go. Okay. okay? Yeah. It wasn't like it made me made me for make me force my pace. Right. 
because that was the pace I wanted to go anyways. Yeah, so you're, but so, and you deliberately started off, you knew you were going too fast. Well, you knew I the pace know. you were going. I I'm not saying too fast, but you knew the pace you were going. And it was and that where was, I wanted was, to go. Yeah, it was what I planned to go. Except that it maybe should have been your first yeah. day. Yeah. I, I, think, I think I run best when I do that slow K first. Yeah. Just to get everything moving. Yeah. And everything, my, everything as it should be. And we and didn't really run as a warm-up much, really. We, no, we, we jogged didn't. over there, but that was just half a key, and then we stood around yeah. for 20 minutes. That's not much. And I'm not sure whether... We did some dynamic stretches. That, then that's another question mark I have in my head. Do I use a, do a 1K, 1.5K warm-up? You know, do I run, do I put energy into a, a kilometer, kilometer and a half as a warm-up first? Yeah. Or should I do that warm-up at the start of my race? You know, because mm -hmm. you wonder how much total energy have you got to spend here? Yeah. So I'm, I'm beginning to think that I really have to be careful with that first kilometer. And then after that, you just sort of do what you have to do to get where you want to get. I think that depends a little bit on what your long runs are like in training. So if you're, because it was a 10K race, if you normally have a long run that's 15, 15 to 18K, right? Mm -hmm. um, or well, even 12 to 16, say, you would do some warm-up Ks and then maybe 10K, you could be doing that 10K race pace and you're used to doing the distance. Yeah. So then it would be probably okay to go run a kilometer before the race mm -hmm. and then do your race because, and try and time it so that you're basically arriving when it's time to start the race. You don't want to get there and then have 10 minutes of standing around. Yeah, I, I would really like yeah. to ideally run 12, 13K yeah. mm -hmm. practices. At least, yeah. That's what I'd like to do. You're probably doing about 15. If you're going to do a 10K race, you want probably running 15. Maybe. And But you're not running fast. You're running it like at a you know a long run, so it's a building of endurance. And then you do speed work and yeah. stuff on the other yeah. days. But if you only are running 10Ks every time, you may not want to do a one or two kilometer warm-up because That's you're right. not used to doing 12K runs. <laughs> and then all of a sudden that last 2K are painful because you haven't been running that distance, right? That's right. But you always figure. Mm -hmm. That last K, you can do it. Oh yeah, the last K you know, the is going to be. K. You, I go as hard as I can on my last K. Yeah. It's usually my fastest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was uh, another learning experience, and it was okay. You know, I I guess I was relatively pleased when I was seventeenth out of thirty-seven men. Yeah. You know, so I mean that's not bad. Well, you did well. Second. Like I, I thought you did well. I mean, but, yeah. but it's like you say, you had a goal and you didn't meet your goal, and that's what you're yeah. not happy about. I that's understand right. that. That's right. I was like my first half iron. I'm still not happy with my first half iron, uh, even though I'm but your proud. Second, your I second finished. one was better. I really like my second yeah. one. It's that's not good. fast, but I'm proud of my second one. My first yeah. one sucked. Yeah. So now we work on other stuff. Yep. So one of the things that was kind of fun about that race, it was the first. Um, it was a new race, so it was the first time they've done that one, but it's part of a series called the Historic Half in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. And they had a half marathon, a 10K, and a 5K. And I, there were a couple hundred half marathoners, and I think 120 10Ks, and then I don't know how many 5Kers, a handful, you know, I don't know, maybe 100, I don't know. 
And so we all started all together. We just all, you know, and so it was kind of interesting because in some ways the people that are running the 5K would be running the fastest and the 10Ks would be running second fastest and the half marathon wouldn't be running the slowest, but then there's fast, slow, and medium people in each of those things. And then there's some people, I think, that walked too. Yeah, I I think, you know, regarding that, the start, Mm -hmm. I, I do wish... I think people have to put themselves where they believe they should be in that starting yeah. queue, right? And I think some people don't. And, you know, because yeah. I, I was behind initially like three or four chatty elderly ladies. And I, I don't begrudge them for being up there if they, were, if they keep that pace, right? Yeah. But it seems to me, my logic said, you know, lots of the faster runners are going to be weaving in and out passing these chatty oh, chatty sure. old ladies <laughs> you know and, and I'm br- it's great they're out there don't don't take me wrong yeah. right but yeah but to they be should be the further front. back they yeah. should be a little further back you That's know right. yeah oh i'd like you to meet my friend no oh, yes we're coming out for the walk today <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny yeah but then again yeah. you know to be honest when i'm up there i i sort of want to run fast i and i don't yeah. want to have to weave in and out less yeah. more than i have to it it happens but yeah, and it kind of depends on the seriousness of the race, too. I kind of got a feeling that this was... There's always people that take every race seriously, but I also got a feeling this was a little bit of a funner... Oh, I think so, too. ...low-key, like a Santa Shuffle type thing, right? Yeah. And so, you know, you're not going to have as many experienced people. And when That's I looked right. at the overall times, even my horrible time that I ended up having, which I'll get to in a minute... Um, I was still like, you know, pretty good in my age group, you know, yes. so, you know, you know that it's certainly no comparison to, you know, like, for yeah. example, that half marathon I did, the Okanagan College one I did in the spring where I had my best half marathon ever and I still came in last in my age group mm-hmm. because it just depends on who you're racing with, right? So, and how serious everyone is. Yeah. So, yeah, it was interesting. So we started off and it was, like I said, it was raining. And my Newtons are very holy on the top. Uh, they're great in the summer, but they're not that good of shoes to wear in the winter. But I didn't have anything else to... I do have other shoes. I wasn't going to risk wearing different shoes on a race, that's for sure. And I was feeling pretty good that morning. I felt energetic. And I didn't know how I was going to feel because I hadn't, done it, I hadn't run 10K in two weeks. Mm-hmm. And what I've been finding, because I haven't had any really long, long runs, is my, I started getting tired around the 7K mark right now. And that was not, that was basically where I started getting really tired on this race. So just to tell people, the the race runs around the outskirts of Stanley Park, which is more or less a peninsula in Vancouver, a really famous park. I'm sure everybody's heard of it. And it's the seawall, which is a wide asphalt trail, more or less flat. And it's the oddest thing if you look at your Garmin data, because Garmin elevation is based on a little bit on barometric pressure, I think. I'm not mistaken. I think it's based totally on that. Yeah, it's Vancouver weather. I'm going to have to think that that's got to have a lot of impact on on the elevation profile because the elevation profile is crazy. It looks like it's all hills and it's pretty dead flat. And if you look at my paces, Mm -hmm. there's no way I would have kept those paces on that thing, right? So it's not like there's extreme twenty meter climbs. There was that one little thing where we went up and over a road, yep. you know, a pass, and that was basically it. 
Yeah. And I, I've, again, I've ridden my bike around there, but I didn't know really what to expect. And what I didn't know is the last 2K, when you cut across through the park past uh, Lost Lagoon, I didn't realize there's, it's going to be hills near the end. Mm-hmm. And that kind of, I, I was trying to, at that point, I felt good. So I decided I was going to see if I could try and PR. My only problem is I didn't know what my last 10K race was. Mm-hmm. It was 50, I knew it was 58 something. And so I wasn't sure what do I have to try and beat because I figured I might be pretty close. Uh, and I still don't know actually. So anyways, I was trying to get as close to 58 minutes as I could and hoping I'd be either close to or maybe beat my 10K time. So I went out carefully. My first kilometer was 6.11. And uh, I was kind of, I didn't really know what it was. I, I couldn't tell. My Garmin, was I having trouble with my Garmin? I had some kind of problem with something. I don't know. Anyways, it just, you know, weaving in and out. And what I found is almost the entire race, I was passing people. Mm. You know, and I'm not anywhere near as fast as you, but I was, I was passing and passing, just steady, and nobody was in my way. I was easily able to weave in and out and around, and uh, I was kind of wondering with the seawall, you know, whether it would be, like, tons of people, but... But it was only 400 people, and they start they spread yeah. out pretty far. It was kind of neat because you could see uh, the way it winds around the peninsula. There, you can sort of see way ahead, and it's very pretty. Even though it was raining and cloudy and kind of a little bit windy in one area, I remember it wasn't bad. So, anyway, be one of the most beautiful courses, though. Yeah. So once I did my first K, I was kind of figured it was a warm-up. I started to push the pace a little bit, and I got down. I tried to keep... I figured if I kept 545s, that was sort of my goal. Um, that's a pretty comfortable pace for me, and I could usually hold that for quite a while. I figured, well, I'll do that as long as I can and see if I can really push at the end to make the difference from that slower first K that was over 6. Mm-hmm. And I kind of... My goal was be under an hour, but I didn't care how much under an hour. And maybe I might even be able to PR. And I had a couple of K that were like close to 530s. Mm-hmm. And I was feeling like this is, yeah, I'm feeling really good. I thought, I'm going to start pushing a bit, you know. And then around the 7K mark, oh, I started getting really tired. But I didn't stop. I didn't slow down. It was just, then it was a mental battle. And I'd do the whole Jens thing where, uh, you know, shut up legs. And I just started like, and I just don't think about, you know, how, how far you've got to go. Just get to the next point and just keep pushing and just kept watching my watch, keeping that pace. Mm-hmm. Then I hit that little in and out thing where where I, where there was the hills, so I tried really hard to keep my pace you know up in the hills, but I slowed down for sure right and I'm, I'm not only that now they're at the end of the race where I'm tired, and I wasn't expecting there to be a couple of hills, not steep, but just you know just enough to be a pain mm-hmm. and then I was just almost at the nine k mark feeling great thinking all right one more kilometer left I'm going to start pushing it I don't know if I thought that and started pushing it I'm not sure but then with absolutely no expectation or inclination at all all of a sudden something just snapped in my right calf just bang oh you know I stopped I almost fell yelped like whoa instantly couldn't put any weight on my right leg I kind of limped over there was a bench and I stopped and I sort of tried to stretch it I thought it was just a big, like a really bad cramp. But normally, when you get a cramp, you feel it coming it on, right? On. Yep. Nothing to tell me that it might be a cramp. 
But anyways, I assumed it was a cramp. A couple of people sort of, hey, you okay? Do you need help? And I said, no, I'm all right. I, I think it's just, just a cramp and I'll be all right. So I kept trying to stretch it out. And then I, I started walking, but I couldn't put any weight on my legs. So I was limping. And I thought, okay, it'll loosen, it'll loosen. And then I tried to, to run, but it was a very gimpy run. And I knew that was going to make my other leg hurt. And that's my bad leg. My other leg is my bad hip. So I thought I better not do that. Dog's barking. You just let her out. Yeah, I just let her out. Why is she barking? She wants Gabe to come outside. She doesn't like to go outside by herself. Gabriel, come on. Anyway, nothing I could do would make my left, my right calf loosen up, and it was hurting, and I couldn't run. So I sadly walked the rest of the way. And I was on pace to be pretty close to 58-something, maybe a low 58, depending on how hard I could push that last K. And I think, except for the hills, it was difficult to tell, but I think I would have been pretty darn close to getting a PR. And I ended up with 108-something. <laughs> so it wasn't quite took a me. PR. Yeah. Yeah, and that was partly because I had to. St I stopped like well, three or four times. I kept right. stopping, trying to stretch it, thinking if I could... Yeah, maybe it's worth spending a minute stretching it and then it'll relax and then I can run the rest, right? Mm -hmm. But forget it. So I looked like an idiot walking and then I very, when we crossed the bridge, I started trying to run just so it looked like I was running. Yeah. You know, and of course everybody's passing me now. All these hundreds of people I passed all along, <laughs> they all were feeling sad for me. I, they all apologized. They're all saying, oh, sorry, what happened? Sorry, I don't mean to pass you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're nice people. Oh. So I got in and I didn't even know where I I had no idea what my time was at that point. Because then yeah. when I crossed the finish line, I forgot to turn my garment off because I didn't really care. <laughs> oh, well. And I was at that point, I'm like, well, I'm really glad that like it wasn't a big deal that I had such a crappy race because I had no expectations anyways. And I was really glad I had done such a good 9K. Well, that's right. Yeah, right? great. Great start. Yeah. In the middle. That's right. So. So that's great. Yep. So I had a great 9K race in about a 15-minute last kilometer, and, <laughs> and that's what I did. It <laughs> threw me off just a little. Anyways, and so by the time we stopped, it wasn't raining, but it was, you know, you're you're soaked to the skin from the outside and the inside, because you're sweaty. And I'd taken my coat off halfway through the race. I had my my Segoy Versa jacket or something on there, and I, oh no, my mech jacket, and I tied it around my waist because, you know, I just was too hot. Mm -hmm. But boy, when we stopped, I just instantly got chilled. Yeah. So I went in and I, I thought I must be lacking electrolytes because I got a calf cramp, right? And I never have ever had a calf cramp in my. So, I guess I'm thinking, okay, well, what caused this? Mm -hmm. And at the time. I thought it was, you know, a lack of electrolytes, which didn't really make sense because I had no reason to. It's only a 10K. I don't even need them. And I I had hydrated and everything, so I don't know. But now, uh, a week later, I don't think it's, I don't think it was a crap. I think it, cramp. I think it was a calf strain, mm -hmm. you know, and it's just like a level one or whatever. They call it a, they grade it in some way, one, two, and three. And I think it's just a one. Um, but what caused that? Yeah. And I'm only thinking, well, it was the hills at the end, maybe? The chill. It just it the moisture. I don't know. Yeah. All sorts of things. Um, but also, I ran on the treadmill two times and hadn't been on the road 
It's only twice, but do you think well, running you know, on the treadmill just before would have affected me? Well, it's interesting because that's where I did my last three workouts or something before yeah. I ran. Mm -hmm. So I, I never run on treadmills because I don't like them. I since read a little bit saying that you have to be careful because you can have they can treadmills can cause tight calves. So I don't know. Anyways, right now my calf is doesn't hurt anymore. For three days I couldn't put my weight on it. It was really hard at work because I have stairs at work, a lot of stairs. And so I took the elevator when I didn't have my class with me. But every time I had my class with me, I was like one leg in it down the stairs. Because it's hard to shove 24 kids in an elevator. Yeah, I kept thinking every time I walked past the elevator, I thought, what if I take the eight worst behaved kids and let the rest walk down by themselves and they'll meet me at the bottom because <laughs> I could have done that but I just thinking it would take time but anyways <laughs> which ones can I not trust anyways it took two or three days before it stopped being painful and then now I can walk normally but walking upstairs is, is what hurts because that pressure of that's when you you use that muscle when you lift yourself up the stairs Mm -hmm. And I was really anxious to go out for a run because I'm just chomping at the bit to go for a run. I wanted to run today so bad, but uh, I've been chatting with people on Facebook and Twitter and everybody who's had any kind of calf strain said, don't go for a run until it's completely better because they can be months in healing mm -hmm. if you don't. And I haven't been to see a physiotherapist or a chiro or anything, so I thought I better be smart because how many people said they were stupid and they went out and ran when they were feeling like it was almost better, and then it messed it up. So it was, uh, it was been very tough for me not to run the last couple of days when it's feeling pretty decent. Mm -hmm. And I find if I kind of jog, it, I can just feel that it's tight, but it doesn't hurt. It's just tight. But the longer I run, the tight, tight, tight gets more and more sore. So I but guess you would hope it would get looser. Yeah, I was. That's what I was. I was, I was thinking maybe if I ran it would loosen up, but I kind of suspect it's not going to. So I iced it three or four times a day for the first three days, and then I've been applying heat since then, and now I've started foam rolling. And I'm going to go and see my Cairo next week if I can get some time and get some ART, and I think she'll work out any um, adhesions that are in there, maybe a little scar tissue that would have built up by now, and hopefully it'll be back to normal. So today I didn't run, I went on the elliptical it's better than pool running mm -hmm. and we got the new machine set up which is pretty cool I like those yeah. new machines they're we tougher got, than the other we've ones we've got a great gym yeah we have a very good gym at the Y at the H2O which is run by the YMCA yeah a nice big 50 meter pool play water play park and uh, all the machines you could want yeah. for working out yeah just about every machine they've just got up until now they've had this sort of um, fitness machines, which are a little bit, you know, for, you know, just people that want low-key kind of workouts. And they're nice. That's what I've been doing for the last couple of weeks. But they're not, you know, they didn't, for one, they don't have a leg press, which I was really wanting. And then they have the big gym section with all the big, huge weights and stuff. The weight machines at all the big buff muscle guys Free weights. They're free yeah, weights. Yeah. Free weights, but those yeah. machines called free weights? Well, you load them up with free weights, you know, and okay. all this kind of stuff. So, yeah. anyways, lots of heavy-duty machines in there. But I, I feel extremely um, intimidated in that area because it's just all men in their 20s with giant muscles. And then I have to, like, I can't even lift the weight to take it off. 
Angel's chewing up something. Do you want to check? Okay. But um, anyways, now they've got some nice machines that are sort of middle of the road, good machines that are, are easy to use, and yeah. So I'm pretty happy about that, and I did a whole workout with those today. What is she eating? Uh, she's got a hunk of wood. Oh. Did she get it from downstairs? Yep. Okay. Well, anyways... That's um, our race report in a nutshell. And uh, I guess I got a couple emails I got to read later, so I'll upload this into the garage band and then I'll get my emails. All right. A couple of shout outs. And our dinner's ready. I heard it. Oh, eating. good. We get to eat now. Yes, sir. Good. Get out another beer and get up to supper. That's right. Good. All right. Nice talking to y'all. Nice talking, y'all. 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 That's Canadian. <laughs> y'all. Eh? That's Canadian, eh? Y'all, eh? Nice, nice talking to y'all, eh? <laughs> All right, bye-bye. Okay, well, I am back in my little studio again, a.k.a. my office. And I had a couple of emails this week that I wanted to share with you. Uh, one I got in, well, both of them in November. One is from Don, and he says... Hey Barb, long time listener, first time writer. I love that. I love when people have been listening for a long time and I finally get to hear from you. Uh, you know, if you haven't emailed me yet uh, with any kind of anything, comments or a race report or let us know how your training's going, you know, just colonagirl at gmail.com. You can do it. Come on. Anyways, back to Dawn. He said, I just listened to uh, episode number 108 where you were discussing the first training program and I thought I'd share my experience such as it is. Uh, as a backgrounder, I'm a 64-year-old truck driver and I just started doing duathlon about seven years ago along with three half marathons. My schedule is highly irregular so I have to find training time whenever I can. I found the first plan online and I thought the schedule might work for me so I bought the book with hopes of doing a two-hour half marathon. His previous uh, personal best was a 2.08. I tried using the training pace tables based on a two-hour half, even though the book tells you to use a previous race time. This didn't work too well, as I found I couldn't maintain the prescribed paces. I should also mention that I was jumping in at week eight of an 18-week program. Scaling expectations back to 204, I was able to handle the amended paces for the most part. I did all of the prescribed workouts as written, but I missed many of the cross-training sessions. To make a long story slightly shorter, the race was the Angus Glen Half Marathon in Markham, Ontario. He's a fellow Canadian. And my time was 2.03, almost exactly as prescribed by the first plan. I'm considering using this plan for a duathlon training next year, but modifying it over an 11-day cycle instead of a 7. And also, Fred Matheny's Power to the Pedals plan as a cross-training sessions. And like you, I'll add some hill work. Anyway, sorry to ramble so long. I always look forward to the podcasts. They make the time on the road go by a little quicker. Don from Lakefield, Ontario. So thanks very much, Don. That's great. Yeah, I, I think there's a few people that I know that are uh, truckers that I know that listen. Uh, Ian in Devonian is one of them who just happened to have uh, done another Kona um, he just qualified for Kona at uh, Ironman Florida again. Had an amazing time. So congrats to Devin Ian. 
on Twitter. Um, but back to Don's email. Thanks very much. And that, that's great to hear that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm interested in hearing people having success in it and what works and what doesn't work. I'm going to try really hard to do the cross-training part of it, uh, but I'm not going to start that part until January. I'm just doing sort of half and half right now, just mostly running and trying to do some strength stuff as much as I can. So, okay, thank you. And then I got uh, an email from Reggie, and we've heard from them before. Um, it said, a great podcast about So You Want to Be tri- Triathlete. Can't wait to hear the rest of it. I've done four multi-sport events, and I'd like to share my tips based on my limited experience. And so that's great. We've got some uh, some more tips here from a listener. One is training consistency. If you only do one swim, one bike, and one run per week is all you can imagine, then that's fine, but try and stick to it. Uh, I think you called it a pattern, and that's right. I totally agree that no matter what you do, just try and stick with keeping it, especially if you're only able to fit in once once uh, for each sport per week, um, because uh, doing something at least once a week is, is pretty critical, and getting it into, like I said, getting into that pattern of doing things on a regular basis, that's it's huge to build the habit. And uh, the other recommendation was to focus on a finishing Focus on finishing instead of what your time is going to be. And by finishing, it gives you the confidence to do more. When you tell others you've completed a triathlon, everyone's impressed that you've done one and not really interested in your time. And that's so true. It is so true. Nobody has ever asked me what my time was, uh, except for a couple of friends who are serious triathletes. Crossing the finish line is the best feeling in the world. So I completely agree. Um, you know, and, and especially when it's your first to really have a focus of, of getting it done and having a a successful, um, completion of your first triathlon is very important. So thanks very much for that, Reggie. Um, also mentioned is that there's a mentioned a great new podcast called the training Bible, which is based on Joe Friel's ideas. So I went and downloaded it and I've listened to a few episodes and it's good. Um, and Joe himself is on there from time to time. Plus there's interviews and stuff. So, um, that's another good one that's out there. So thank you very much, Reggie. And then I also just got an email from Carlos and he was actually listening to the quadrathon podcast that I was on recently um, I think it was episode 46 and I had been talking about doing Vancouver BMO Vancouver Marathon and Carlos is a race director apart from an ultra runner as we all know Carlos the Jackal Um, and he is a race director for the marathoner marathon and ultra at Elk Lake um, in on Vancouver Island and it's the weekend after I think I might have even mentioned on one of my shows. It's the weekend after the uh, Vancouver Marathon on May 12th. And he says it is a great first-timers marathon. It's a 10K loop. So you basically run around the lake and you do it four times, I guess. And it's uh, paved. I'd asked him, like I told him I was a little bit worried that uh, if it was a trail run, you know, like what would it be like as far as mud and... I don't know just what's that aspect of it like, but he's said that it's really, um, oh, I've lost his email. He said it's pretty, pretty much just a gravel path, uh, some packed dirt. Um, and I guess if it's raining, it could be a little muddy, but, uh, that would be sort of a 50, 50. And uh, a couple other people I know that have run on Elk Lake say it is pretty flat. There's a little few sections where it's got a bit roots and stuff, but nothing serious. So it wouldn't be like a seriously, it might be a good one for me to do for my first 
marathon too, just because it'd be a little easier on your legs when the when the when it's not on pavement is what I'm trying to say in certain all right um so I am considering that one as well I know I'm gonna I'm really gonna make my final decision um in the new year probably by the end of January end of February as I start doing some of my longer runs and I can see how things are going and I know that I'm gonna be able to get those longer than 20k runs in so we'll see how it goes and that is definitely one of the ones on my on my radar the only downside of that one is that is the same weekend that Eric always does the bare bones duathlon and if I was going to do my marathon that weekend I mean would mean me asking him to give up the bare bones so I'll have to I think I can do that but I'll have to make sure uh, you know, <laughs> it's just going to be a decision that we'll have to make. So what else? Anything else? I don't think so. Um, let me just look at my email here. Oh, yeah, 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 I do. I wanted to say I had a bunch of new people added on to the Kelowna Girl Tries podcast listeners group on Facebook. If you just search KG Tries podcast, you will find the listeners group and you just click on join and then or request to join. And I have to approve it, but of course I will. And I, so, first of all, welcome to Heidi, uh, who was actually added by Monica. Monica added her. And I think, I don't think I'd... Um, yeah, I don't think I've said hello and welcome to Megan, who is also just added, and Daniel. And Daniel actually left a message in here saying, Hi, Kelowna girl, how do you do? I'm a listener from Germany. Um, I've only been listening to your podcast for a month or so, but I think it's very inspiring. I'm pretty new to triathlon, but I did do one sprint triathlon last year and two this year. Uh, next year, my big goal is to compete in the Bonn triathlon. Bonn is also my hometown. They have a very popular triathlon there every year. Maka, which is Chris McCormick, has uh, done the triathlon there too. Um, he came first there. <laughs> of course, he would come first. The triathlon is a little bit longer. It's a 3.8K swim in the River Rhine, a uh, 61K bike with uh, 800 meters difference in altitude, so it's got some climbing, and a 15K run. Therefore, I have to work especially on my swim and the run training. Anyway, I look forward to your next podcast. See you, Daniel. So thanks very much, and welcome, Daniel. And that distance is kind of interesting hey it's sort of between halfway between an olympic distance not well it's got a longer swim like a long swim that's like almost an ironman swim i think i don't even know how long is an ironman swim i don't know it's about that 3.8k but then a shorter bike than a half iron and uh the run is sort of halfway between a half iron and an olympic distance i guess so kind of interesting and I also want to welcome Jody, who's another fellow Canadian. She just joined the group as well and uh, said some kind words to me. She said, I love running, so looking forward to getting back into it. She lives in Edmonton, so it can get a little chilly there. And uh, Edmonton is, is sort of northern part of Alberta. Well, not really northern, but in the northern half. And it's cold, cold, cold there. Much colder than Kelowna. So running in Edmonton is going to be a challenge. She says, I prefer to run in the cold, though. Good luck to you in any race you're doing in the future, she says. So welcome to Jody, and uh, always nice to have fellow Canadians in here as well. So I think that's it. Uh, next 
show I'm going to do another another installment on So You Want to Be a Triathlete. And I'll sort of talk about now that you've got all those habits set up and you know how to, you know, you've kind of got the, the pattern of getting workouts in and starting slow, slow, slow. Um, starting to do a little bit more structured workouts and uh, getting into some base training. So kind of get us ready for that whole January when I kind of think of triathlon season starting for me. That's when I start doing some serious base training. And, you know, I've finished uh, with all the gluttony of Christmas eating. Um, yeah, so that's sort of what I'm thinking about. So I've got uh, a couple of two more weeks left to school and a Christmas concert in there and lots of stuff going on at school. So pretty crazy. We're out on the 16th and then I have a week off before Christmas and a week after Christmas. So it's, I'm looking forward to my break. And I've been trying to get to the gym once in a while and I'm trying to get my runs in as long as my calf isn't a problem. So hopefully it'll be all better in the next few days. And... Uh, um, I've lost two pounds finally. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, seriously, if I can like maybe lose a couple more before Christmas and then I'll gain it all back in a week, but what the hell and January, I guess I'll have to take it more seriously. Anyway, that's pretty well it for the week. I'm going to end with a little audio from our friend Chris Russell from the Run Run Live podcast. You probably all know that he has written that great little book, a collection of stories that he's written about running called The Mid-Packer's Lament, and it is now available on uh, the Kindle. So um, here is a little bit of Chris Russell, and then I'll leave you with our usual closing music from Great Big C. Bye-bye. Great news, my running friends. My book of running stories, The Mid-Packer's Lament, is now available in Kindle format at the Kindle store on Amazon.com. Just search on Mid-Pack, Mid-Pack, and it's a bargain at an easy $5, and all proceeds go towards supporting the underfunded pension plan of the retired cleaning staff at the Run Run Live World Headquarters. I recently got a Kindle myself, and I love it. It does reading very well. The Mid-Packer's Lament is a series of short stories on long-distance running, racing, and the human comedy inherent in all sports enthusiasts. This is the perfect book for runners and wannabe runners. There are stories about training, eating, special places, and special races. There are stories about the accidental athlete in all of us and the stupid things we do for even amateur endeavors. Whether you're a weekend mid-pack runner or a competitive club runner, you'll find something thought-provoking and amusing that you can relate to in The Mid-Packer's Lament. The sun must say.